well, half of y'all are already here, but it's kind of moving close. I'm uh, going to try to be a little more relaxed tonight. We only got about 20 people here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it a little different, make it more like a traditional Sunday school lesson. If I remember, I'll, like, ask you questions and stuff, but I don't know that I will. I never am nervous about public speaking until I am public speaking, and then I get nervous. So you'll have to forgive me if I trip and stumble along the way, but um, I'm going to do my best. Hopefully you'll learn something tonight or at least think about something real hard. Um, so the title of the lesson sermon, teaching, whatever you want to call it tonight, is Your Spiritual House. And I'm going to read from uh, two different portions of the Bible. First will be Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. It's Matthew chapter 7. And then after that, we'll flip to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. And it is a little bit of a lengthy reading, so after the book of Matthew, you can be seated for a while. Um, Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it very familiar passage of scripture and then flipping to the book of Leviticus you can be seated for this portion it is a little bit of a lengthy reading so forgive me ahead of time I'm going to do my best to read it clearly and quickly starting in verse 33 the book of Leviticus chapter 14 says and the Lord spake unto Moses and said and unto Aaron saying when ye be come into the land of Canaan which I give you Give to you for a possession, and I put a plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. And he that owneth the house shall come and tell the police, saying, It seemeth to me that there were, that as it were, a plague in the house. And the priest shall command that they empty the house, and therefore the priest will go into it to see the plague. And all that is in the house be not made unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to see the house, and he shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with the hollow strakes, greenish or reddish, which are in this sight, which in sight are lower than the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again the seventh day and shall look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones which the plague is, and it shall cast them into an unclean place without the city." And he shall cause the house to be scraped within round about, and they shall pour out the dust that they scrape off without the city into an unclean place. And they shall take the other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and shall plaster the house. And if the plague come again and break out in the house, after that he hath taken away the stones, and after he hath scraped the house, and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the house, and it is a fretting leprosy in the house, it is unclean and he shall break down the house and the stones of it and the timber thereof and all the mortar of the house and he shall carry them forth out of the city into an unclean place and I'll stop right there so you kind of get the the picture of what I'm talking about 
houses, right? You have to forgive me. I'm, I'm still a little bit sick. And you'll understand why here in just a minute um, as I go through all of this. Um, but I'm going to be drinking a lot of water tonight, so forgive me. Clearing my throat and hopefully not coughing on anybody. So let's talk about um, a spiritual house, right? So we all have heard about and been taught lessons about um, building a good, strong foundation. We've all heard the parable of the wise and the foolish builder, right? Everyone's heard of the parable, right? Read it, been taught it. I see one head moving. Is anybody awake? Okay, so we've all, we all know the story, right? We know to build on a strong foundation to have so we don't get blown down in storms, right? It's a metaphor that they use throughout every aspect of life, right? And they use it in every walk of life. I mean, you talk about the three little pigs, right? Everybody knows you build a strong house, you take your time, you do it right. Guess what? It's going to last longer. And it's, it's the same theme throughout, you know, your life, right? Everybody encourages you to do it the right way the first time instead of doing it the easy way. Um, so we all get the concept. I'm not here to smack you over the head over and over again with that. Um, but I do want you to think about it because it is important and everybody needs a reminder on occasion. Um, if you're not like me and you don't have toddlers in your house, you probably haven't read that story in a really long time. Um, I, however, can say that I have reiterated that lesson to my children at least, I don't know, 150 million times. However many times they ask you to read a book before they get tired of it or it falls apart one or the other. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but a toddler will ask you to read the same book over and over again until it literally falls apart. Um, and I am guilty of speeding that along so I don't have to read the book anymore, but uh, it, uh, it does happen. So let's talk about how a house is built, right? Because we all have, I mean, obviously you know where this is going, we all have a spiritual house that has to be built for us to live in, right? Um, it's um, how we build our, it's what we build our life with, our spiritual life. Um, so a regular house that we all live in, hopefully, is uh, the first thing you do is you prep the site, right? You dig where the foundation's going to go. You have to clear out all the trees and brush, um, and we have to do that in our spiritual life too. We all get junk. We all get stuff. We all have stuff in our life, right? Things that shouldn't be there. Um, we have to make sure, especially whenever we are about to lay a new foundation or even expand your spiritual house into something new, that you clear everything that needs to be cleared out of the way, right? And you have to do it right. Uh, I do know of a guy who decided to add on to the back of his house, and he, has, he is notorious at my job for uh, doing things the easy way, jerry-rigging it, what we call it. Um, of course, I work for a maintenance department. That's kind of our job. We just fix things, right? We make them work. However we do it, they don't care. They just want it to work. As long as it works and doesn't kill anybody, we're going to be happy. So this guy is notorious. He's the guy you call whenever you don't have the right part, right? He will make something. He will figure something out. He will get it working. And so he added on to the back of his uh, house, um, which was a couple... Um, he, what he did was he added uh, 
portion of a manufactured home onto the back of his house, right? He wanted to do it the easy way. He had a manufactured home that he wanted to use, and um, he wanted to add onto his house. So he just slapped them together, right? And whenever he cleared his the back of his property to add this on, there was a tree there. So he cut it down level with the ground. He even went down, I think, two foot or something like that. And, uh, and put a little foundation there and like a little eight inch foundation, I think, and put that manufactured home on top. And over time, 15 years, something like that, um, what he didn't realize was because he didn't take everything out of the ground and he didn't put a big enough foundation or piers or whatever he needed to do, as that stump that was in the earth rotted, it created a gap, right? And then the foundation became unstable. Right? So if you don't clear out everything that needs to be cleared out in your life, it doesn't matter how good you build your home, you're going to have problems. Right? Everybody understand the metaphor? We're all on the same page, on the same boat, going the same direction. The second thing that you do after you clear is you pour a foundation, obviously, and we all know how to build a good spiritual foundation, right? Prayer, fasting, reading the Word, coming to church. Uh, participating in things, uh, being active in some sort of ministry, right? That's a good foundation. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything big. It's nothing fancy. The best foundation that you can have for your home is a big old fat concrete slab with nothing on it, right? That's, that's it. That's the best you can do is just a bunch of concrete. It's gray. Sometimes it's bland. Sometimes it's really normal, it, it seems unexciting, but it's solid and it holds. And I promise you, if you do it right, if you do it the way that you're supposed to do it, things will work out. The third part is they frame a house, right? So whether it's a wood frame, steel frame, whatever it is, you have to build a frame at that point, right? You can't skip that step. You have to have it. You can't do something else first. Um, you have to have a frame before you can move on. And all a frame is, is your support system, right? So here we go. Same metaphor. You need a support system for your spiritual life, right? And there are a lot of things that will support you. Church is your biggest one, right? Church, your pastor, you find a spiritual mentor, you find teachers, that can help you learn the Word of God or, or keep you in, enraptured in the Word of God. You have peers that help you, you know, equals that you see in the church that are with you and alongside you to keep you from falling behind, to keep you from getting bored, um, and to encourage you whenever things are hard, right? Because none of us can be in this alone. Because if we're in it alone, we're not going to make it. I can promise you that. If you isolate yourself in the church, if you have no support system, then eventually you will fail. The fourth thing that they do is they add windows and doors to your house, right? Uh, that's typically what they do. Um, sometimes they put a roof first, which is fine. Um, and sometimes they do windows and doors first. Most of the time you see windows and doors put in first just because, um, you know, they need to keep certain things out. They need to make sure that they fit in the frame before they put the roof on. Um, and, you know, it, it's just the order that they go in. I can't give you all the details because, obviously, I don't build houses for a living. 
I've seen it done, but um, I wasn't there every day, and I didn't actually put my hands on it, so I'm not an expert. Don't kill me after church, please. Uh, but they put on windows and doors. So the metaphor that we're looking for on this one is what do you let into your life, and what do you see, right? What are you watching? Um, so that's it's all about your environment, right? And in your spiritual life, you have certain things that will come into your spiritual life and interfere with what it is that you're trying to do with God, with the church, um, how you're trying to grow, how you're trying to develop. And that's why we need doors, right? We need limits. Um, you need windows because it matters what it is that you are viewing all day long, right? What it is that you have your set, your sight set on. Um, and because typically we want our sight set on our goals, Right? We want to look forward at something that is attainable, that is achievable, um, that is worth working for. Right, And if we put the wrong thing in front of us, guess what? We're going to go the wrong direction. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, actually have like been offshore fishing or been in a lake that's so big that you can't see land. But a big thing about that is to find something, um, a landmark, or the sun, or a compass, or clouds, or whatever, whenever you find your direction that you need to be going in, right, you use a compass, you use GPS, whatever it is, you find your direction, um, especially with the boat, right, so you're in a big open body of water, you find your direction, and then you find something in your vision, and you point the boat at that, right, you say, okay, well, uh, the sun is right here, so I need to be pointing here, there's a landmark that I see way in the distance. There's a buoy or, or whatever, a tree. And then you head in that direction, right? You continually check, right? Make sure you're going the right way. But if you don't find something to focus on, you will constantly drift, right? And we do the same thing in our spiritual lives. We don't find something to mark ourselves off with, right? We don't set a goal. We don't set something. Um, we don't put something in our sights that we can strive towards. And we sometimes go the right direction, but we find ourselves drifting off quite a bit, right? So it's best to find something that you can set your sights on, move towards, and get to attain it, and then move on from there. The fifth thing you put on your roof, your siding, right? So this is your protection, right? It's your protection from the elements. Um, it's your protection from critters, animals, uh, winds, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So we all know storms blow our ways. We all know that there are critters. And we all need to be protected, right? Um, a big part of this protection is developing your spiritual life to a point where it's solid, right? You have a routine down. Uh, another part of this um, is using your support group. Don't just have it, use it, right? Whenever storms blow your way, guess what? You're going to have to lean on somebody, whether it's the church or a teacher or a mentor uh, whatever it is, you will need help. And the sixth part is your interior, right? So in the mind of my spiritual house, that is developing your ministry, right? That is the fun things, the fulfilling things, um, right? So you can have a house that is perfectly sound and structural, just like whenever we bought our house um, a year ago or whatever it was, we bought our house. We bought it, and guess what? We walked in, and it was perfectly empty, right? There was nothing in there. It was still a house. It was a good house, but 
empty, right? There was, it wasn't worth living in. If you don't put things in your house, if you don't develop something in your spiritual life, um, it's, I mean, yeah, you'll be sheltered from the cold, but is it really worth staying in? Um, I mean, it'd be nice to have a bed and a couch, right? Or food in the pantry or what have you, right? Um, so we want to develop our spiritual lives. So I'm done talking about houses, sort of. So this is the, the second half of the lesson or, or sermon, right? Um, and it also pertains to the second portion of Scripture that I read. So before we get into all that, I'm going to tell you about my weekend, Easter weekend. I had a great weekend. Uh, so we've been having problems with our drainage, um, particularly our washing machine. After you ran one or two loads, or random, it seemed, um, it would back up and overflow into our garage, right? And it got to the point where it was bad. Like, it was flooding our garage, and then it would um, go through the wall because it was uh, the washer was up against the wall to our uh, dining room and into the dining room, right? It was going under the wall into the dining room. So we had water in our house, water in the garage. It was horrible. It was it was so horrible. I got to where I was trying to catch the water and, you know, trying to get to a point where I can pull it all out and try to fix the problem. So Easter weekend, I decide, you know, enough is enough. Or more accurately, my wife decided enough was enough. Nah. nah. So I went and got, uh, I rented a big electric uh, drain router to, to try to unclog it, right? So I tried doing that. It was a mess. So it, I couldn't get it down. They had the drainage all rigged up from before we bought the house. And uh, so I ended up opening up the wall. There was already a portion of it open, but I took off the rest of the wall and looked under the, pulled out all the insulation, right? And we got mold on the sheetrock, black mold from about five foot up and down on the whole wall, right? So ripping all the sheetrock out, I decide, uh, you know, I'm just going to go up one sheet of sheetrock, rip it out all the way across in the garage, and we'll just go from there, right? So I get to work. I'm ripping out all this junk. And there's, you know, insulation in the air, and I'm sure mold in the air and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I finally get it done, and I'm trying to use this router to unclog my sewer, and, oh, it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's bad weekend, okay? Just bad weekend. I end up cutting off all the drainage that they had rigged up and, get all the way to the main line and trying to do everything I can to fix this stuff. So long story short, I think I got it done, but we'll see. I have yet to hook my washing machine back up, but so far it seems to flush water normally. Uh, and I still have to rip out the other half of the sheetrock that goes inside of the house and put my wall back together. The reason I'm telling you all this is because we just read a scripture about a plague in the house, right? So they refer to it as a plague. They refer to it as leprosy in the house. Right? It's all in the same portion of Scripture of how to deal with um, a disease, if you will, a plague. Um, and Leviticus talks about how to cleanse and um, how to remove it, all this, all this stuff. But it's important to know that in the Old Testament, leprosy or plagues represent sin. Right? We, I don't know how many of you have been here and heard this talked about up here on this pulpit or somewhere else. But leprosy 
um, and plagues, it represents sin in the Old Testament because it's infectious, right? Leprosy numbs your nerve endings, um, meaning you don't feel things the way you used to, right? As Brother Grant would say, your feelers are broke. Uh, and you don't feel things the way you used to spiritually, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you physically go numb whenever you sin. Uh, you don't feel things spiritually like you used to. Um, you start losing pieces of yourself, if you will. Um, and you are infectious, right? You literally rub off on the people around you. And that's not a good thing. But most people don't realize is that most of the time, things like this originate somewhere, right? They don't think about it, but uh, leprosy started in a place, right? And a lot of people who get leprosy don't necessarily get it from someone else. They get it from a place. So what we're talking about right now is a plague in your house. In my case, it was mold, right? Literal mold in my house. So that talks about what to do, right? You take out the obvious pieces, right? And then you see if it spreads, right? Is the mold alive? Is it growing? Um, and if it is, you clean it up the best you can and you get out and you try to kill it, right? In my case, I sprayed it with bleach water because that's what you're supposed to do with mold. And then we'll see if it grows. But I'm going to take it all out either way. So the goal is later on they tell you, come back and make sure that it doesn't show up again in your house because if it has, that means you didn't get it all. Um, and the Bible references it as being unclean, right? So in your spiritual house, um, if you have sin in your house, sometimes it's not easily detectable, right? Me and my family have been sick for, I don't know, since Christmas at least. Um, some of us before then, right, with various things. So what I'm thinking is we had mold in our house, right? And it will make you sick, um, literally and metaphorically, right? Mold in your house will make you sick. Um, and it's not easily, it's not easily detectable. It's not easily spotted. So there are some things that you you have to remember, right? Um, remember how a house is built, right? All the things that I just talked about, you know, clearing a site, um, laying a foundation, getting a good support structure, um, being careful what you let into your house, having your roof and siding secured around you to protect you, and what you have going on on the inside, right? It all affects um, the integrity of your house because if one of those things is off, right, if your foundation cracks, guess what? You get a, a roof leak when your foundation cracks, generally. Um, if your foundation is unstable, it causes all kinds of destruction in your home, right? I've seen houses that literally you they have put steps inside their living room because the floor split. It looked like you had purposely dropped the house a foot or two, and they put steps in their living room to get up to the other part because the foundation was not secure, and it shifted that much. And I have seen other, there's a, uh, actually a house in New Caney. You can drive there if you want to. I've seen it myself. This house, say where I'm standing is ground level. This house is literally about this low. The windows are level with the ground, the, the windowsill. It's, it's very weird to look at because it's a perfectly nice house. It's just sunk about three foot or so. And when you open his front door, which he had to change and 
and move around because he couldn't open it anymore. But it opens straight into a staircase because you can't you can't jump three foot to get out of your house every time you want to get out. So he has built a staircase inside, and he he has put tile up on the walls to prevent damage to his house. It, I personally think the man is crazy, but he does what he does. But it, it's it's interesting to, thing to look at, but it's also fascinating um, how much a foundation affects the state of your home and why it's so important, probably why it's so expensive too. But all of these things are important, right? You have damage to one, and it causes problems with others most of the time, right? And then you get things like mold in your walls that you can't really see. And when you have mold in your walls, you get sick uh, in your body, right? And then that causes all kind of other problems. So I firsthand have seen what it's like to, to experience these things. Pull out my clock so I don't run y'all all out of here. for a bed <clears throat> so who here has ever dealt with mold like real real mold it's not not a pleasant experience right so my wife asked me I guess yesterday I was in there working uh, trying to clean up the floor and finish up some plumbing stuff and uh, she was asking me should you be wearing a respirator? And I was thinking, yeah, I should be wearing a respirator. And I thought, well, I don't know. Uh, is, what I actually told her was, it's iffy because I sprayed it with bleach water. But what I really should have said was, yeah, I should probably be wearing a respirator. Um, <laughs> I don't think she can hear me. No, I don't think she can. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. But uh, I probably really should have been wearing a respirator. Because all you have to do for mold to make you sick is breathe it, right? Um, and I was unfortunate in my home because that mold that had spread was right on the same wall as my air intake for my air conditioning unit, right? So whenever I opened up the wall, I could feel it sucking through the, the holes in the studs, the air and spores of mold, right, that I had just opened up. So, I mean, obviously or hopefully... That's what was making us sick and not just we have that bad of luck. I really hope not. But we, uh, so I've, I've been trying to kill this mold, right? And I haven't been wearing a respirator. So now I'm coughing and I'm, you know, got a sore throat and all this junk that I shouldn't have. And that's why I'm drinking so much water and stuff. So the other, the other part of this is whenever you have a problem, right? You have a problem in your spiritual home. You have mold in your house, whatever it may be, some sort of sin that has infected your life, that has uh, dug its claws into you, so to speak. It's important to be careful on how you treat it, right? How you remove it from your life. Because not only can you damage your house beyond repair, right, by accident, which I almost did, by the way. I almost hit a gas line that I didn't know was in the wall with a hammer because I was tearing out the wall uh, pretty vehemently. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you have ever demolished something, sometimes you can get a bit carried away, right? Um, and I've demolished things at work because we were doing some renovations, and I had a lot of fun. I mean, we were knocking down walls and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was going at it. I had a sledgehammer, big old steel toe boots on. I was kicking over walls, knocking holes and stuff. I had a good time. 
And I got a little carried away in my house, started whacking with a hammer. And I heard a dink. And I backed off real quick, and I used a little saw that I had and cut open a hole to kind of see what I was dealing with. And uh, sure enough, there was a, a three-quarter-inch uh, natural gas line running through that portion of the house that was actually capped off at the end, but it still had gas in it. I didn't. I had no idea it was there. Um, it's the perks of living in an old house. You have a lot of stuff that you discover, right? Um, and uh, I, I had, I had nicked it with the end of my hammer, and I was, I was swinging. I, if I would have hit it, it would have busted. So, you can damage things in your house, right? That should not be damaged. You can do irreparable damage um, to your spiritual home. Right, so if I would have hit that gas line, we probably would have called the gas company, but and you know shut everything off and just got out of there. But uh, who knows what could happen, right? A spark from this, a spark from that, plus a gas leak. No telling what could happen, right? So you have to be careful, right? Um, you need to be careful how you deal with it. It's probably better to get somebody to help you. I didn't do that because I'm a do-it-yourselfer guy. Thought I knew what I was doing, and now I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with, right? If I would have called somebody right when we had a drainage problem, guess what? I probably wouldn't have mold in my house, right? It's just the things that you have to deal with. Um, and and if you do them correctly, guess what? The bad consequences that can happen, most of those won't. So be careful how you remove uh, mold from your life, right? And while you're doing so, make sure that it doesn't make you sick, right? Um, do your best to um, lean on your support system, right? Um, try to contain it as much as you can. I know it's it's kind of a hard metaphor to wrap your around your your head around um, without think of some without thinking of something specific or me naming something specific. So I don't want to get into all the sin that can infect your life because it's unlimited, right? It, everybody has their own vice. Everybody has their own struggle. Um, and I know we say that a lot, and everybody has their own thing that pops into their head. But it's not always the thing that you think of foremost, right? Because I've had struggles in my life that I've had since I was a teenager and, you know, really started developing my actual spiritual life. Um, and those aren't always the things that get me because I'm watching for them, right? There, I know I struggle with this. So I steer clear as much as I can of anything that has to do with that particular sin. But as the Bible says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, right? So we need to be careful of, of the little things that we let into our lives, right? And that's part of having a solid, uh, a solid spiritual routine, right? Because that keeps the little things from interfering. Everybody kind of get what I'm talking about? Everybody good? Everybody having a good night? Anybody catching up on their sleep? Yeah. I wish I was. That would be nice. Actually, my mom kept the kids last night, so I caught up on my sleep last night. Thank the Lord. Otherwise, y'all would be up here looking at a zombie. So, only half zombie for you tonight. So, I'm going to confess that I am at the end of my notes, but... I still feel like there's something that needs to be said. Um, I don't know. I don't know a lot about everybody's life in here. I don't want to know. Right? 
I'm not a, I'm not a uh, curious person whenever it comes to people's personal lives. Um, I've never been that way, right? Usually whenever somebody starts talking about personal things, if they're not talking to me, I don't, you know, I don't listen. I'll get up and leave or, or change the subject or whatever because I don't, I'm, I'm not a, uh, not an emotional, touchy-feely, sensitive person, right? I, I tend to make a joke that I'm not supposed to make at that time, right? And it doesn't go well, so I avoid it, <laughs> right? Um, I, as many of you know, I make really bad jokes at bad times. And that's just who I am because I use humor to deal with awkward situations. Um, and that's one of my faults, right? And I have to work on that. But uh, I like to think sometimes it lightens the mood. Not everyone agrees. So I don't know what everybody is dealing with, right? I don't know what your struggles are. I don't particularly want to know. Unless you really need somebody to talk to, then I'll listen. Um, but I, I have no problem being a friend, but I don't want to 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 go, you know, delve into somebody's life, especially if they don't really need me. Um, so I'm not going to profess to know anything, and I'm not going to say anything to anyone specific. But I think it's important that we all pay attention to what's in our lives right now. Um, what is, you know, ask yourself, what is affecting you spiritually at this point in your life? Right? Um, what is it that is holding you back? What is it that has brought you backwards? Um, a lot of people don't like to admit it, but um, most of us, our spiritual life is not necessarily a long race. It's almost like doing suicides in basketball. You run to this line, and guess what? Then you run backwards. Maybe you shouldn't be, but we do often. And I have found that in my own life as well. Right? I've made it all the way to the other basket on the other side, and it was almost like instantaneously someone blew a whistle, and I turned around and ran the other direction when I shouldn't have, but I did. Um, and I don't know if you know what suicides in basketball are, but that's where you run to a line, you touch the line, you run back, and then you run to the next line, and then you run back, and then you run to the next line, and then you run back. And uh, it's a horrible cardio exercise, but we do it to our spiritual lives all the time. Um, we get really good at running around, but we don't move very far in the long run. Because at the end of a suicide, all you've done is moved uh, 100 feet, you know, to the other side of the basketball court. Uh, and you look back and you really have done a lot of running and you haven't gone that far. So try to be objective, first of all, and then take a look at your spiritual life and figure out, are you going in the right direction? Have you set your sights on something um, and driven towards it? Have you found that goal in your life uh, or a ministry that you can grow or, or whatever it is that, that, you know, that is appropriate for you in your current walk with God? Have you found that for yourself and are you moving towards it? Are you moving away from it? Are you just standing still? Are you stuck in quicksand? You feel like you're sinking right where you are and nobody's noticed. Um, Think about that just for a moment, just to yourself, 
I'm not going to, you know, come lay hands on everybody and make you stand and cry or anything. Just evaluate. Um, I'm a very logical thinker. I'm a very, um, I have a very systematic approach to things. I'm not super sensitive and emotional. So um, my thought, whenever I deal with struggles, I don't realize what's going on until I take a step back. I pull my emotions out of it, and I look at what I'm doing with my life. Am I going in the direction that I want to go? I mean, ultimately, heaven, right, for all of us. Salvation. But there is a path, right, for each of us and a ministry for each of us, whatever it may be. And I have found many times that after I pull my emotion out of it, I'm not headed in the right direction. I may think I am in the beginning. I may say, well, this is really what I want to do. You know, this is the path that I want to lead. And then I take a step back and I realize, look, if you really look at what's going to happen, I'm going to hurt myself in the long run. I'm going to end up right back here. I'm going to end up doing exactly what I was doing. So I might as well take a step back, readjust, set my sights on a goal, and move towards it. Right? And sometimes it takes other people's help. And I'm not denying that sometimes emotions are involved. Right? Um, many times most people are not like me. Most people want a life-changing altar experience. Right? And that is good. I, I promise you it's good. I've had them. They're wonderful. Um, you never feel the same afterwards, hopefully. Um, but sometimes what it takes is a quiet moment to sit and think. Somebody to stand behind a pulpit in a monotone voice and tell you to realign. Right? To set your goal, to make sure you're lined up with the Word of God and what your pastor teaches and walk the line. Right? Um, pull out your, you know, set a GPS coordinates uh, if you have to, you know. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I do it to myself. I, I set an alarm on my app on my phone that says, hey, read your Bible, you big dummy, right? Um, because I'll, I'll go periods where I don't. And thankfully, I haven't done it in a while, but um, I, I've had my dry spells, believe me, and it's not good, right? I find myself drifting. So do what you have to to make sure that you're aligned and that you will stay aligned, right? Um, be accountable to someone. Use your support system. Make sure your foundation is in place. Um, and hopefully you won't have mold in your house. You won't have sickness in your life, your spiritual life. And you will reach that goal that you have envisioned for yourself that has been set for you, right? So if you'd all stand with me, I'm, I'm closing. I'm done. Let's take a quiet moment. And say a quick prayer. I don't know if Brother Grant wants to say anything. Lord, we ask you to reach down, Lord, to touch each and every one of us here tonight. Lord, we ask you to help us to find that goal that we need to be striving for, that we need to be reaching for. And we ask you to help us to walk towards us, to walk the line. Lord, move in each and every one of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, to reevaluate where we're going in our life. And Lord, we ask you to help us to have a solid foundation, a solid spiritual home, Lord. And if we have mold in our house, Lord, help us to clean it out. Lord, help us not to hurt ourselves in the process. Lord, give us the help that we require. And Lord, we ask it all in your name.
Amen. Brother Grant.